When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz, Australia's only live streaming business markets and investment channel. Great to have your company for the next hour or so because it is time for the call. 10 stocks that you suggest and we put those stocks to two experts on our panel for their opinion of them in the next 16 minutes or so. And uh, delighted to have Howard Coleman from Team Invest joining us. Howard, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, David. Uh, great to be on with you again. Yeah, and you're enjoying uh, the start of earnings season. It's always a big time to, uh, where companies have got to reveal all. Yes, uh, always the most joy- enjoyable time. You you don't have to be speculating on what's happening. You can actually get real facts that are yeah. quite up to date. Exactly right. And also joining us on the team today, uh, Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Gary, good to see you. The surviving earnings season, uh, only the very start of it at the moment, but yeah, been interesting. Yeah, for me, it's kind of more about sort of seeing the sentiment. Right. So see how um, companies are reporting, what, what's the, you know, because obviously at the moment, everyone's tending to put in a lot of the bad stuff, get, yep. it, get it out of the way, yep. and then sort of have a, a more positive outlook. And right. that, that's doing enough at the moment to... Uh, yeah. to keep the market happy. And so. that, that is, the thing is that in this environment, if you've got any skeletons in the cupboard, you bring it out, you blame COVID because everyone else is yes. doing badly yeah. and then you move on. Yeah. Are, you, are we going to see a bit more of that, do you think? I think so. That's been the theme so far. Yeah. Uh, and the market's sort of seeing through the probably the softness right. in the results and, um, and they're looking at what the outlook statement is. Yeah, so, yeah uh, it's fascinating. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's hard there because, it, I mean, it's not, it's not hard there, but when you're sort of quoting... Uh, we're going to be up next half on, you know, so you're always going to be higher than soft numbers because they're yeah. always going to come in slightly better. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. enough to sort of, you know, yeah, at the moment, market's sort of got playing along with that. So, right. yeah, mm-hmm. see how long that lasts throughout the season. But so far at the yeah. moment, what I would consider to be pretty soft results. Right. Um, market's taken them pretty well. Not too many big sell-offs here so far, yeah. considering yeah. most of the results are coming in under. Right, okay. Because it's kind of expected as well. So, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I I must admit, I was really surprised at Adair's yesterday, um, the retailer, and how much JobKeeper payment they received that was a big part of their revenue increase and their dividend boost. um, I'm not sure that's what JobKeeper was actually intended for, but anyhow. Yeah. Keeps them going. All right, before we get into your 10 stocks, I always choose one that is uh, making news during the day. And of course, with earnings reporting season, it's always good to get the very latest on some of our biggest stocks. And this morning, uh, James Hardy was forecasting uh, full year earnings on an improving US housing market. Uh, This is despite reporting a first quarter net profit plunge of 89% to just shy of 10 million US dollars. fraction of the nearly 90 million the building supplies maker generated a year earlier. Look ahead, the company remains upbeat, as Gary was saying, it's sort of 
up, upbeat forecasts ahead on securing more North American market share and delivering adjusted financial year profits in line with the $350 million delivered last year. So interesting one, that one. Uh, Howard Colburn, what did you think of the, uh, of the James Hardy uh, result and does it change your opinion on the stock? No, uh, I mean, I thought the result was reasonable considering what we know has been happening. But, um, you know, James Hardy seems to consistently have a good reason as to why it didn't do as well as uh, we may have expected it to do. And um, I think that's a general theme in reporting season, that the badly run businesses can always find an external reason as to why they haven't done all that well. And the well-run companies hardly bother mentioning uh, the same sort of reasons. They just report good figures. Sometimes helped a bit, as you mentioned earlier, and uh, Gary mentioned about Adairs uh, and the uh, the JobKeeper. But just in general, um, when a company always finds reasons to explain why it hasn't done all that well, that's not a potential wealth winner. And although James Hardy obviously share price has done very well recently. Uh, not the kind of business that uh, we, from a long-term perspective in Team Investor, are overly enthusiastic about. Its return on equity is quite good, but it's got high debt. And the earnings really have only grown about in line with inflation year after year. So uh, it's hard to see where this is going to turn into a wealth winner. Okay. All right. Um, so Howard there, a no on James Hardy. Gary, what do you think of the result? And what do you think of James Hardy in that, that building sort of material sector, uh, what is it, James Hardy, CSR, Boral, basically the, the three big ones there, yeah. uh, fa facing some uh, some headwinds, if you like, in an economic recession. Yes, I know the profit was down a bit there, but, uh, but if you look at the full year, they're actually sort of saying they're going to come in pretty close, so I think 330 to 390, yeah. which was... The same as last yeah, year so with pretty, pretty close there. I think yeah. the key there was that sales were only down 5%, so right. considering what might have been pretty soft sort of period um, it could have been a lot worse there so mm. some other companies have been probably that the sales have been off a bit more so that's probably the plus there but I have to agree with Howard here it's pretty pretty expensive here so uh, we were up about 35 times earnings at the moment so there's next to no yield yeah. here on the stock here and um, basically a record high over the last five years pretty close it? so I think 3342 is right. the is the all-time high so yeah. um, so I think, what are we... Uh, I mean, said, uh, almost $32. Yeah, so stock yeah, sort of... Yeah, so if you think about the COVID there, so it fell from 33.40 down mm -hmm. to uh, sub $13. Yeah. Now we've bounced back and we're pretty close to the old high here. So I actually think we'll probably find a bit of resistance up around the old high. So we're getting right. pretty close. Right. Like a lot of things sort of going back to retesting the old highs. So yeah. uh, now it's been a nice V-shaped recovery here, but definitely one, the one thing you're sort of seeing here, and I, I've noticed this across the board here, is that the volumes are, um, are disappearing? Right. So we're sort of we're we're going up, but we're going up on declining volumes. So basically, less participation as the, as the stocks climb. Right. So um, is that generally across the market? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it kind of shows that um, you know no one's wanting to sort of sell here because obviously they want to stay with the market. So probably yeah. fund managers are probably uh, maybe a little bit underperformed uh, here, so they can't really afford to. Um, you know, to get out because the, they need to sort of stay right. stay with the market here. Yeah. Um, yep. And because we're getting expensive, no one's really trying to load up as right. well because it's pretty pricey here. So yep. at some point there'll be a flash point. 
yeah. where that'll, you know, we'll, the buyers will just sort of stop, and then, yeah. then the sellers will say, okay, well, it's, it's time. And then you get the ball yeah. back. Yeah, then, you, then you'll get, yeah. But at this stage, we haven't got that yet, but definitely participation is getting, you know, lighter and lighter and lighter, and, right. and fewer and fewer, so it's, okay. yeah, definitely seeing that across the board here. All right. Okay, that's it for James Hardy. Of course, a lot of information out today. Um, Sydney Airports has got to do a $2 billion raise as well by the look of it. They're in a trading halt at the moment. So it's one of those times of the year that you really do need to be watching Ausbiz as we bring you all of the information as it comes to hand. Let's get uh, into your top 10 stocks. And um, Gary, the first one is a suggestion from Raj. Thank you for that, Raj. Uh, Jumbo Interactive, the uh, online lottery business. Um, they sell, they have a deal with Tab Corp. To, so I think it's Powerball and Lotto, isn't it? Yeah, Oz Lotteries Oz and uh, so do a lot of the uh, the charity yeah. uh, tickets as well, ticket, yeah. or the di- digital yeah. Um, charity. Yeah, and, yeah, and it, it um, is interesting because we interviewed the chief executive here on Ausbiz a couple of weeks ago and he said everyone says we're an online lottery business. Uh, we're in fact... Uh, uh, a software business, digital, yeah. uh, digital business, and we've got to sell that uh, that platform around the world to sell lotteries online. Yeah, basically, yeah. that's the business. Yeah, I think the interesting aspect there is that uh, in the past, there we couldn't, um, as Australians, you couldn't participate in some of the lotteries around the world. Yeah, but now, sort of, they can sort of set up these sort of nominee sort of type holdings. So you, so you now basically can be involved in the the hundred, yeah. two hundred million dollar lotteries that take place around the world. So you can get a get yeah. a slice of that action as well. So that sort of broadens their market. Yeah. Um, I guess like the, the key thing here was what happened with uh, Jumbo is that um, they had to you know, renegotiate the, the deal with Tabcorp recently, yeah. which some people you know, uh, were disappointed with because obviously um, the terms weren't as attractive as they were previous yeah. to that, but that's probably to do with them having a great amount of success, yeah. having to give it a little bit more to keep that. But what it does is give certainty to the business. Um, I really think it's a really great space to be because you know, if we if you think there's a recession sort of coming, you know, Australians typically sort of gamble and drink yeah. our way through recessions. So it's a good recession-proof sort of stock. Yeah. I think it's a nice, clean business as well. So margins are pretty healthy. It's all digital online, which is really, you know, COVID's basically uh, expedited that, that move as well. Yeah. So it's really in a sweet spot here. So I know the margins aren't quite as attractive, but I think there's still a bit of growth in this business. Yeah. And it's in the right segment in terms of where we're, what's happening in the world at the moment. So I really do like it actually, so. And um, the, the chief executive was saying their, their growth's gonna be selling the technology overseas. Yeah. Quoted some, um, I figure I've, I've just forgotten what it was, but, but Australia's online lottery sales are miles ahead of in Europe and, okay. uh, and the US. Yeah, yeah, it's all phone based now, market. so yeah, yeah. it's literally, yeah. Yeah, you know, everyone does it on the mobile phone. Put yeah. your lottery numbers in. It's you know. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Howard, what do you think of Jumbo International? Um, certainly, the company's metrics all look terrific. It's got high return on equity. It's got zero debt and has had zero debt uh, for many years. Earnings are growing quite rapidly, and in fact, uh, in every respect, from the point of view of its metrics, it looks like a wonderful wealth winner and in fact it's been passing our filters in team invest for a number of years um however team invest members with, without a doubt don't like this company and they don't like the company for the very simple reason that they feel uh and i agree with this that do you want to put your money into something that encourages something that you would prefer there was less of 
rather than more of. Right. And while it is right. really a technology company, it is making it easier to uh, participate in lotteries and participate in the sort of things that our members in general prefer there was less of. So, right. uh, so they, members... they exclude it on, if you like, ethical grounds rather than uh, pure investment returns or, or financial yeah, metrics. Ethical in the widest sense. It's not that what I'm suggesting is that what they're doing is unethical. It's just that when you invest in a company, you're really saying, I would like there to be more of this because then I will make more money. And our members say, would we like there to be more of this? And the answer from almost every member is no. So whenever we've discussed, uh, should we do a full smart uh, and discuss in detail Jumbo Interactive because its metrics look so good, the uh, at least 90% of the room every time has said, no, thanks. Uh, if it was in a different industry, yes, but we'd rather not. So, uh, but the figures look great. Yep. Okay. So thank you for that, Raj. That's a, the view on Jumbo Interactive. Uh, Howard, Charlie wants a view on Macquarie Telecom. This is sort of a, would you describe um, Macquarie Telecom as sort of like a wholesale telecommunications company, isn't it? Um, basically focusing on, on business and, and institutions. Yes, and, and a lot of hosting. Uh, the, the hosting is, I think, a bigger part of their business right. rather than the actual mobiles. Um, yeah, they've got uh, quite decent return on equity for the last three years. Prior to that, it wasn't. And we like consistently high, but uh, it's looking good in the last few years. Zero debt, which is encouraging as well for a company that has a fair amount of capital expenditure sometimes. And uh, earnings have been growing quite decently over the last few years. So it, it overall looks pretty good, except for its PE ratio and share price. Now it's right up at the top of its historic PE ratios, which means it's really, really expensive at the moment, which we can also see from that uh, share price graph. So good business, um, it doesn't look great business, but it certainly looks like a very good business. But at these sort of extremely elevated PE ratios on about a trailing PE of about 66, um, way beyond anything that uh, any of our members would be comfortable buying right now. Uh, Team Invest members would look at it and say, well, you know, the, looking at the historic PE ratios, the PE would have to roughly halve from where it is now. In other right. words, the share price would have to roughly halve before it started looking like an attractive investment. Okay. All right, Gary, Macquarie. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think. I mean, how's sort of spot on there? It's actually. It is actually a very good business there. It's actually uh, transitioning sort of from being a sort of just a telco yeah. to now being sort of uh, in that sort of cyber security uh, data center. Yeah. Um, they've basically made a. Uh, they're basically building a, a large data center out at uh, Macquarie Park as well. Right. So, okay. um, so there is uh, real growth ahead for uh, Macquarie Telecom, but. You're on 65 times earnings at the moment, yeah. It right. is actually, if you read about monster stocks, stocks that really have super performance, they do go through these periods of high growth. And the second thing they do is they have um, the, the management or the top or the shareholders are, are pretty tight. So I think yeah. with um, the, found, the founders own 56% of the shares in Macquarie Airport, so very right. tightly held there. So there's not a lot of free float stock there. Yeah. So <laughs> you've got to pay extra to... To, to get to some. To get in. Yeah, and that's probably the reason why it's trading on 65 times here. But I tend to think here um, that if you sit back a little bit here, um, 
the share price is probably likely to you know cool off right. a bit. So I, th I think it's probably a good business to look at, but just the multiples right. very high. But it is, um, I think, you know, the, the the building phase here is going to take a while for that data center to complete, and then for the, the next you know round of earnings to sort of kick on as well. So it's probably right. going to be a transitionary right. uh, point there, but it does look pretty. Uh, so well run, well run company yep. delivers just. Hugely expensive at the moment. It is but a, yeah. something to watch if there's correct. If it yeah, cools down. yeah. One of those ones that sort of uh, does cool off here does have a bit of a, a pullback. It's probably right. one to be having a closer look at. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go, Charlie. That's the view on Macquarie Telecom. Um, Gary, speaking of cooling off, the next stock comes from uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, in a sector that uh, yeah. the markets have cooled off on. Uh, good place to work, but what about to invest? Uh, so. Uh, Will is asking about Seven West Media. Yes, this is kind of on the other end of the spectrum, really. So yeah. we're, um, you know, we're just um, we're in the wrong segment here as well. Um, Seven West Media. Um, yeah. um, so basically, TV, TV programming, content, newspapers, magazines, classifieds, just sort of a, unfortunately, a bit of a dying sort of area. There. It's it's uh, it's pretty heavy in debt, sort of um, Seven West. It's always had a pretty um, some pretty high debt covenants here. So um, I know they sort of seem to have. Um, yeah, sort of held off the debt covenants at the moment, but it's still a bit of yeah. risk here with this one. They just um, roll, rolled it over. Yeah, they? yeah. I mean, yeah. if you look, if you look, just um, if you look what the market's saying at the moment, at the moment there's twenty percent of the of the company's um, short sold currently. Yeah. Right. So that's massive. Yeah. Amount of you know people in the market betting against this company. Yeah. Um, so I mean, look, I know we're what ten eleven cents here, pretty pretty light on, pretty pretty low. Market cap is one hundred fifty three mil, so not. Not, not uh, too much there, but yep. you know when you start sort of hearing that you know, debt covenants might get triggered here, um, and you're in a segment which is doing it pretty tough here, probably not, not yep. um, contrary to what's happened with it with the shift as well. So, yep. yeah, and I mean the share price has been on the decline for a long, long time here. So, yeah, it's just for me, it's just a stay away. You know, yep. it's sort of um, yeah, the market's betting against this company coming out the other side. Yep. So it's uh, and then by contrast, seven group holdings has been. Yeah. A terrific performer. Yeah. It's been better to be in that than Seven West Media, that's yeah. for sure. Um, Howard, what do you think of Seven West Media? Um, I think it could fail a few of you, just a couple of your filters. Yes, I mean the only the only thing one can say positively about it, uh, among all the negatives, is the share price is so low that it's on a PE ratio of 1.5. But seeing as the E in that PE ratio has been heading downhill at the rate of about 15% a year, um, the exact opposite direction that you would like the earnings to be going, even that very low PE at the very best could make it a trading stock that you buy it now in the hope of selling it later. But our members aren't into that. We're into long-term investment, looking for great companies with uh, uh, growing earnings that we can own for many, many years to come. So uh, this one certainly doesn't qualify. As Gary says, lots of debt. And that's a big worry. And combine that with the earnings shrinking, and uh, uh, you know our members would take one quick glance at this in Team Invest and say, "Forget it, let's move on." Yeah. So, all right. Um, how trying to hang on this stock really. That's, that's what I mean. It's basically just trying to survive at the yeah. moment. So yeah, yeah. that's the primary outcome. Well, that's the primary. The, yeah. the way I look at the Rolling moment. Rolling over so, debt, yeah, getting yeah, rid of yeah, assets, yeah. building up. So you have to cash. do that. You obviously, you know, try and raise. You know, raising money here at ten cents is going to be tough as well. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's tough, tough, tough. tough. Yeah. Um, Howard, would Team Invest members move on to Amcor? 
Shabir uh, wants a view on Amcor, the big global packaging company with uh, packaging in the, the food and beverage and healthcare, home care, um, uh, headquartered in Melbourne, but um, right around the world, operations in Australia, North America, South America, Europe and Asia. What, what do they think of Amcor? Well, huge business and well run and uh, uh, with so much more being sold online, a lot of uh, potential additional business for them. But it, it really hasn't done much. Uh, you know, earnings per share have been uh, fractionally negative, about minus 1% in earnings per share growth uh, over a, a long period of time. In fact, the earnings today are lower than they were in 2014. Uh, that's not a good sign. And uh, although its debt levels have come down quite a bit, uh, it really doesn't seem to be able to grow its earnings per share, which means there's very little possibility of capital appreciation. It's, uh, uh, for, uh, although it's not on the kind of astronomical PE ratios that we saw with Macquarie Telecom, it's still right at the top of its range of PE ratios or virtually right at the top. It's on a PE of about 25 and it tends to trade at PEs generally in the high teens so and, and low 20s. So on a PE ratio of 25, it's looking pretty expensive. Um, so uh, not, not one that we'd get very excited about, although generally been a well-run business that just doesn't seem to be able to get its earnings to grow. Yep. Okay. Uh, Gary, Amcor? Yeah, it's interesting because it's really actually made a lot of acquisitions. So yeah. it's kind of smaller bolt-on sort of stuff there. So it's sort of tried to grow the earnings by, by making these sort of smaller acquisitions, sort of um, more um, you know, boutique-y sort of, just, you know, just you know, new sort of packaging sort of products and stuff there. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, how it's right there, it's been a pretty, um, hasn't grown that much. So, but it is a safe business seen probably largely quite defensive, uh, generates a lot of cash flow, I think around about, you know, it's usually sort of around four and a half to five percent sort of yield on the stock. So right. um, pays a reasonable manner, you know, generates a lot of cash, pays, pays, pays it out, but not, not growing there. So business like that, you know, seeing that sort of long-term chart there, see how it's sort of range bound. Yep. So when, it, when a stock's aren't sort of having that sort of uh, super sort of earnings growth there, more mature, the stocks tend to sort of trade in a range. So, right. so for me, this stock's about trading that range here. It was probably closer to the top of the range here than, yeah. the, than the bottom at the moment. Yeah. So can go a little bit higher. I think some of the broker bells are sort of sitting between 1460 and 1680. That's probably where they think that the top end is. So, so I think around 1650 has been a pretty strong resistance point technically for the stock. So right. up there, it's a definite sell up there. Right. But to me, it's probably up in the... 75, 80 percentile sort of right. range here. But I, again, it's just not going to not, yep. yeah, pretty high risk buying here on this multiple here. And um, yeah, so, yeah. but good little business. I know someone described it as an inexpensive defensive with growth op <laughs> optionality, but I don't know about that. I'm not sure about the growth there, right. but yep. obviously they're making little bolt-ons, but I think yep. they're really just sort of holding their, their yep. place there. But and that packaging printing area is, uh, uh, as Howard was saying, sort of people buying online. Pretty robust, that's good, yeah. Good for it. But yeah. Um, yeah. Howard, um, Alex wants a view on an interesting business, uh, Family Zone Cyber Safety. Now, this is a, a technology group that, as the name implies, 
produces platforms for uh, schools and home to protect kids and, and um, um, accessing the internet and uh, using technology. So they're in schools, homes, they're with, with carriers. It was really interesting yesterday, um, as one of our suggested stocks, we had MGM Wireless, which has a, uh, produces a whole bunch of uh, wearable technology for kids. Clients. Sort of yeah. the um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the speak into your watch and uh, able to communicate without giving them a mobile phone, which is interesting. Um, so family zone is sort of in that sector, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, it's what it's doing sounds wonderful, yeah. but unfortunately, yeah. it can't seem to do it in a way in which it makes any money. And as a shareholder, that's what you're really interested in. In 2017, it's only been listed for three years. In 2017, it lost about 330% of its shareholders' equity. Uh, the following year, 2018, about 260% of shareholder equity. And last year, 200% of shareholder equity. So this is a company that is uh, regularly needing to raise money to run itself, um, but can't actually run itself in a way in which it can generate any profits. And as a shareholder, um, you share in the profits of the company. So if there are no profits to be shared in, all that's going to happen is you're going to continually be asked to chip in more money. So on that basis, uh, definitely a no-no for me, although I wish them well because what they're doing sounds like it's, uh, it's good for society, but uh, I can't see this as being a real business. It looks yeah. to me like something that will fade away. Yeah, you want the double good for society and also be a good investment too. Uh, Gary, what do you think? Yes, I mean, if you look at this sort of uh, just on, the, num on the, the numbers, on the reports and stuff there, yeah, I mean, it, as Howard said there, it's, it's lost money, it's raised money, um, all the rest of it there. But the most interesting thing is here, if you look at actually the number of users, there was 720,000 users yep. um, in February when they did their half yearly. Um, in the last two months alone, they've, they've put on over 200,000 new wow. users each month. Wow. So now they're up to basically they've more than doubled their business in the last four months. Wow! So, so that could be why you see that shape in the share that's price. That's why there. yeah, yeah. So yeah. sometimes you know, plenty of companies don't make money as long as their sales growth is going through the roof. Their yeah. share price can really go for a, a, a pretty run. So if you're right. in a good segment, lots of growth, people tend to look through the fact that you don't make profits because they sort of view down then, the line there. But then to Howard's point, yep you've got to make sure you can make money out of those it's users. So it was sort of the zero argument for many years. Yeah, wasn't that's it? Didn't, right. Didn't yeah. make any profits, yeah. kept adding users, but a time comes. Yeah, it's a bit like Afterpay, it doesn't, you know, so it's got a lot of yeah. users as well, hasn't been profitable really yet. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but the thing is about the stocks that really perform go gangbusters, right. they, they often don't make money when they first start. It's all yeah. about the sort of sales growth here. So yeah. interesting thing is I sort of like, it kind of remind me a little bit of 3P Learning, oh, which yeah. is the mathematics yeah. and stuff yes. there. Yeah. So I thought that was a fantastic product. You know, I think 30-40% um, you know, kids in Australia were yeah. using it. But again, a sort of how point, they, they weren't charging much for this uh, product right. there. So I started having a look at the company to see what sort of money is getting made there. Because in the reporting, there's, there's more about the numbers of users and less about the dollars, right. which is how much you charge. Yeah, yeah, never a good sign there. But I went to the website and it's about five ninety five a month for a for a license, right. which is basically seventy two bucks a year. If you sort of want to get a, a box, which basically monitors all 
all your, all your, you know, basically your Xbox, all your machines, it, all your, basically, right. Um, watching all your kids there, I think it's about one hundred and forty nine dollars a year. So, you, right. so we work out say a hundred bucks a user, and we're now uh, a year, and we're up to what one point five million users. Right. All of a sudden, the revenue starts to sort of add up right. here. So, um, uh, the kicker there so is: are they all are they all being charged that, Howard? I suppose. Well, it depends what it costs you to get a client. If it costs you to get two hundred dollars to get a client, and you make one hundred and fifty dollars out of every client that you get you're down $50 for each extra client you get. Yeah. Uh, this is this lovely mathematical thing is if we grow to infinity and we're making losses, eventually we'll make a profit. No, you just make infinite losses. So the question is, do you make a profit out of each client? Because if you don't make a profit out of each client, eventually your losses just mount as your number of sales yeah. mount. Now, I don't know that's the case with them. I don't know the company well enough. but. The, for, for every one of these companies that loses money for years and eventually makes money, there are hundreds that lose money, eventually lose money and go broke. Right. So, you know, uh, this one may turn out to be one of the miraculous ones that survive, but you're probably better off going down to Crown Casino, down to a roulette wheel and putting money on one number because your odds are about 38 to 1 against. Uh, on this, your odds are probably worse. Yeah. Well, I think this one here, this one's basically gone into the US. Right. So the growth of those those 200,000 new users there have predominantly come out of the US. So their right. US growth strategies, um, they're also going directly to the schools as well. So, right. so not just sort of going out and doing single one-off deals, they're basically doing sort of school-based sort of deals as well. Yeah. So lots of multiple users. So maybe the, right. the, the deal might be a little bit less to get them all on board there. But yeah, when you sort of see that sort of numbers, that, that really sort mm. of did take my, because I mean, it's, Market cap is still only um, was pretty modest, 179 million. Right. So considering we've got a, you know, we've basically got a one and a half million users now registered. Yeah. Paying the, well, you know. So you put it down as a watch. I put it down See as. How it goes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I think it looks pretty interesting there. Just sort of the, yeah, it's just going to be hard. Just need to work out that the margins of the business aren't very clear at the moment. Let's see. Don't know right. how much they're making us. Yeah, which okay. has got a good argument there. Yeah. All right. Bit more work. All right, uh, let's recap the uh, the first stock, uh, five stocks, including stock of the day. Uh, James Hardy, um, uh, both uh, Howard and uh, and Gary saying really expensive at the moment so <laughs> for what it's doing in terms of multiples, but a, a well-run company. Jumbo uh, Interactive, a yes, Gary likes it, a no from Howard. And Macquarie Telecom, well-run company. Uh, just incredibly expensive. If there's a cool off or a pullback, certainly worth uh, looking at. Definite no for Seven West Media, uh, a no for Ancor and Family Zone Cyber, a, uh, a no from Howard and uh, Gary uh, saying it's interesting and maybe worth watching for the future. Just a bit of a programming note as well. Right after the call, we're joined live from Sydney by Charter Hall Social Infrastructure REIT Fund Manager Travis Butcher on their full year results out today. That's Travis Butcher at 1.15 p.m. Eastern right here on Ausbiz. All right, let's kick off the uh, the next five stocks. And Howard, uh, Neil wants an opinion on Gen X Power. It's a, a renewable um, energy uh, producer, has already won um, uh, a solar farm in, in, um, in far north Queensland. 
It's looking at uh, wind projects and also a solar project near Forbes in New South Wales. Gen X Power, Howard, what do you think? Yeah, again, one of these things that's doing something which you would say sounds good for society and good in the long term, but hasn't yet demonstrated that it can make any money. And uh, again, coming back to the same thing I said earlier, uh, in the end, as an investor, you want to be investing in businesses that can make profits. And this one hasn't. Uh, in the four years that it's been listed, it's lost money quite heavily each year as a proportion of its equity. Uh, 90 odd percent, 60, 50 and 60 percent of its equity, respectively, in those years, got a lot of debt, presumably because it's investing a lot in building these power stations. So are the management capable of running a business profitably? So far, the answer appears to be no. Uh, we would need to see that they can turn what is clearly a good idea into making money. And at that stage, it may be worth looking at, but at the moment, a definite no from us and Team Invest. Okay. Uh, Gary, Janet? Yeah, so market cap, 96 mil. They just raised uh, just under, or just over 21 mil just uh, in the last few days here, actually, so via placement mm. SVP. So, um, yeah, look, hasn't been a great space to be in, re renewable sort of energy, so not, not too many big winners from an investment um, perspective. Um, I'll say no, not because of those reasons. I just sort of, um, I, I sort of think that we're pretty close to, you know, for a bearish phase and probably going through a recessionary period. And, right. and if we go back and look at the last couple of recessions in Australia, the um, utilities just haven't performed very well in that, in that sort of mm. space. It's been probably the second worst perform, or peer, or sector to be in. So I just don't think it's a good space to be invested here through you know, what might be a recessionary period coming ahead. Um, not to mention their, you know, pretty average um, you know, performance generally. So yep. it's just a, a no and a no for me. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, next um, suggested stock comes from uh, from Janet. Uh, wants a view on uh, Sandfire Resources. Uh, Gary, a mining company, copper gold project in, in Western Australia. Bit of manganese in there as well. Yeah, so we got, uh, yeah, copper, gold, silver, uh, yep. WA. Um, so, I mean, we've got probably, we've just had probably the, one of the one of the best sort of runs in gold and silver that we yep. might see for a couple of decades here, uh, and the share price is probably what half from its highs here. So that's not a good sign if uh, right. you've got record gold and silver prices here and the share price is underperformed. The the issue we've got here is that um, the guidance has been pretty weak um, from the company, and I think largely to do with its I think its its flagship sort of the cruiser mine is um, is finishing up, so it's only got a like a three-year lifespan. So oftentimes, you know, with, with these miners there, when they've you know, got this big hole in the ground and then um, you get these huge deposits, after a while you, you, you run out. So, yep. um, so the, their, their, sort of, their, their flagship has basically only got three years to go. So uh, market's worried about where the earnings are going to come from. So I've got a few other projects coming online, but those projects are a few years away. So there's just going to be a bit of an earnings sort of gap here between... Right. Um, the crews are running out and what's what's left here. So the market's just sort of a um, bit negative on the stock here. Looking at the price action technically as well, it's been, it's basically sort of heading down from $10. And I just noticed that recently it had a bit of a, a rally from what's, you know, under three back up to 550. Yep. Had a recent update, not not so good. And the share price has got hit again. And um, what we're seeing is, you know, some pretty heavy selling every time it's turned down here. So 
just doesn't look good to me here. No. So um, yeah, so and, just and particularly in this sort of gold market where every yeah. other gold stockers, even the yeah. poor ones have been yeah. <laughs> been dragged up. If you yeah. haven't been, yeah. you wonder about it. So from a trading point of view, you always want to be. They say you basically want to be looking for the you know the strongest stocks yeah. in the sector and, yeah. and and maybe shorting the weakest stocks in the sector. Right. So this would be one of the weakest stocks in the yeah. sector. Yeah. Howard, what do you think of Samfire? Yeah, I mean, we're never very enthusiastic about mining companies because, uh, as Gary says, you start with a resource in the ground and eventually you land up with an empty hole in the ground some years later. Um, and, and that's not good from an in investing point of view. But it has been actually a very well-run company. Uh, you know, for the last uh, seven years, it's had very good return on equity, varying between 17 40% return on equity. It's run it with virtually no debt, uh, hasn't come to shareholders for more money at any stage for years and years. Um, and earnings have done reasonably well, and it's paid out um, about a third of its earnings in dividends, which, as mining companies go, is quite good. But then again, as Gary says, if you want to be in a mining company, you want to be in the best one if you're going to be in any at all. Our team invest members don't tend to be in any. Um, this one's not particularly expensive, but considering their earnings are likely to go through a, a, a period of going down before they start going up again, uh, it's not that surprising that it's on a relatively low PE. So a no from me, but I think it is a, a particularly well-run uh, smaller mining business. Uh, not a lot of mining companies are well run for shareholders. This one is actually well run for shareholders, but it's got all the disadvantages of being in mining yeah. and uh, no control over the prices of its commodities and uh, it's a wasting resource. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Janet, a no there on Samphire Resources from both Howard and George. Um, Howard Paul wants a view on, on A2 Milk. Uh, which has sort of had a um, has been a, a share market darling for a couple of years, hasn't it? It's uh, more a, doesn't own any dairies, but it's more a marketing company and and selling baby formula into uh, into China. And um, the A2 is sort of like a, a protein extra in milk that makes uh, milk even more healthy. Yes, and in fact, they've done a fabulous job uh, marketing the A2 concept. Yep. Uh, and, and really, it is a very, very well-run marketing company. Not a long history, um, but the one thing that uh, is a bit of a worry as an investor is there's been a change at the top more than once. Um, they had one person as the CEO, then a different person as the CEO. Now they've got uh, one of the board members acting as CEO in the interim, and they've just announced an, a new appointment as CEO. Now, looking at the new appointment, he looks like probably an ideal sort of a person, right kind of background. So I, I'm not being negative about him personally. But you do want to ask yourself, why does a company that's doing well uh, in terms of growing its earnings, high return on equity, no debt, seem to go through CEOs so rapidly? And every time there's a change of CEO, you're likely to have a change in strategy, and that's not usually healthy for shareholders. So its numbers look good, but on a point of view of the changes in management, uh, I would think we'd be uncomfortable with it, most team invest members. I know some team invest members do own it, but the majority don't. Um, and it's at the moment on a relatively high PE ratio, 
So it's going to have to continue running really well to make it worthwhile on that PE ratio. You could certainly buy it significantly cheaper in each year PE-wise than it currently is. So well-run business, worry about the change in management, price too high at the moment. High growth, sort of high quality business. Yep. Still got lots of growth there, still, um, yeah. But I mean, Howard and, does make and, a point there. There's, and tensions yeah. with China don't seem to have affected it. Not so much, no. Probably yeah. maybe the New Zealand sort of strain right. there is, uh, keeps that oh, little, bit of, yeah. little bit more safety there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, New Zealand Because it's a neutral. New Zealand domicile com- <laughs> yeah. company. Yeah, so, but I mean, so, I mean, the numbers, I was just having a look through the numbers there. Gee, they're just incredible. Yeah. So uh, performance and in the growth, and even even every update's just very positive and yeah, almost, almost, yeah. Like you almost as a shareholder, you expect them to surprise on the upside. Right. It comes so so well. So, you know, look, I, I just looked at the share price as well. That was sort of obviously the share price had a great run there. We saw how prices actually tightened up here. So it's sitting between nineteen and sort of twenty dollars here for the last um, sort of month or so. So, I for me, I just sort of because we we are pretty long in the tooth, had a pretty good run. Just because I like the price action here, it's nice and tight, right. and the trend's pretty bullish and. The market follows the leaders. Right. This is definitely a strong, super safe sector, but um, I do have a pretty tight stop on it as well. I don't really want to see it break below the last sort of, you know, I think around that sort of 1880 has sort of been the last sort of, it's had a couple of goes down there and held, yep. but the main thing is we've just seen no volume in the stock. So right. if we've reached a bit of a peak um, and if it's overpriced and all of a sudden the markets decide we want to sell it, then you start to see some selling, some volume. Right, yeah. But we've always, always seen it. It's just cooled off and gone sideways. Okay. And there's no volume going through. So there's no real right. selling here. So just the, the, the holders are still believers. Yep, uh, yep. In, in a market where you've sort of got to make safe decisions about which sectors are going to be safe, which ones aren't, yep. this feels like you a like safe sector. So, okay. So I All think right. there's still uh, more upside here. But just got to be, yeah, got to be mindful that it is, it is on a pretty reasonable PE. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go, Paul. Good analysis there. Uh, Rocky, uh, Gary wants a view on Macmillan Shakespeare. I saw the, the last update was sort of saying they've been down, they'll be down about 15% year yep. on year. So you can expect that sort of decline there. It's a hard one there, sort of with the whole sort of... Um, Salary packaging. And yeah, it's kind of shifting employment. a little bit as well. So yeah, yep. you can go out. I mean, it used to be sort of done for you. And then yep. you were sort of... You're, package and they get the car for you whereas now you know pe- people are moving to more personalized so yeah. they want you know like think about nike you, you know I, I want to order my nike shoes i want them this color and i want them this yeah. you know what i mean so you get them all personalized so you don't want nov- a, a white camry yeah, yeah so at <laughs> least so i know some of the employers are now sort of saying okay this this is a these are the um the guidelines here so this you got this amount of money and these are the choices and then you can go out and choose so that yeah. sort of keeps them sort of healthy there but the segment's going through a little bit of contraction there. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they need to sort of shift a little bit. But right. look, the PE is 11.8. The yield's up around 8%, so reasonably attractive there. Although, obviously, that 15% contraction will probably take an edge off the divvy, and yep. companies are holding divvies back at the moment as well. So, look, I, I saw most of the brokers have got a hold. We have a wait and see, just because yep. they can sort of see there's um, the valuation's cheap, yep. but the outlook's a little murky. So, right. um, but... Not uh, diabolical, I guess. It's okay. sort of just is it just a shift which is sort of heading in the wrong direction for them. But yeah, maybe a little bit of um, so watch it and hold. Yeah, look, it's okay. it's not. Yeah, it's definitely not expensive here, but it's just you know they need to make some changes, maybe or okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. Howard Macmillan Shakespeare, the, the 
salary yeah, car I, packaging group? Yeah, I used to own this for a number of years and uh, did very well out of it. So it used to be a really well-run company. And when you used to read their half-yearly and annual reports and their announcements, they were always full of optimism and they delivered on that optimism. But over recent years, when you read it, it's all woe is us. Um, and uh, in the process, their earnings have remained pretty flat for about five years. And now they've guided for about a 15% drop, as Gary mentioned. In, in earnings this year. Um, it's not Credit Corp, by the way, that they no. compete with, it's a smart group, because it. it's salary packaging and uh, novated leases. And whereas when you read smart group, uh, it's all full of optimism and you know what we're doing well and they deliver on it. When you read Macmillan Shakespeare, you would think that the people who write their uh, annual report and their half yearly report, the chairman and CEO, um, are quite pessimistic all the time. And that's never a good sign. If the people running the business don't feel very optimistic about the business they're running, then we who are not running the business and are reliant on information from them, it's hard to be positive. So I sold out of my Macmillan Shakespeare some time ago. Um, share price has since come down, so I seem to have done pretty well out of having sold it then, but I'm not considering rebuying because although it's as Gary says, quite cheap. It's only on a P of about nine. The earnings are currently dropping, and nothing they're saying seems to, to suggest that things are going to go well in the future. Okay. Now, it's not that it's losing money. It's making quite decent profits, and its return on equity is high, hasn't got a hell of a lot of debt. But you'd like to see a bit more optimism from the people who are running the place if you're going to be putting your money in it. Yep, yep. So um, do you prefer Smart Group? Are you in Smart Group instead? Yes, most definitely. I'm, right. I'm, I used to be in uh, Macmillan Shakespeare. Yeah. I then also bought some Smart Group, and I've since uh, exited Macmillan Shakespeare. Smart Group uh, certainly seems to be uh, much more confident okay. of growth okay. than Macmillan right. Shakespeare. All right, our last stock, um, uh, Howard from uh, Natali, uh, Fiducian Portfolio Services. It's a sort of wealth management financial planning organisation. Yes, um, and passes our filters in Team Invest. Uh, we've, we've actually had the CEO around answering our questions uh, a couple of times, I think. High return on equity, as one would expect in financial services, doesn't need a lot of equity to run a financial services type business. So high return on equity, zero debt. Again, you wouldn't expect debt in this kind of industry. And earnings have been growing really well, around about 20% a year over a number of years. Now, obviously, to some extent, they are a little bit hostage to um, what's happening in markets in general, but not as much hostage as somebody who is directly only a fund manager. Um, they provide administrative services for funds as well. So a well-run business on a very undemanding PE of about 14 at the moment, which is in the bottom half of its PE ratios. Um, in fact, uh, almost in the bottom quartile, not quite. So, uh, you know, returns, uh, even with our uh, automatically calculated margin of safety based on the 10 years worth of history, it looks like returning uh, something in the mid-teens percent okay. per annum field for about five years. So it looks pretty good. Okay. All right. So, uh, yes, I'm Fiducia. Now, Howard, I know you have to dash to another appointment. So... We'll let you go now um, and really appreciate your time today. 
Good on you. See you then. Gary, what do you think of Fiducia? Yeah, look, it's good business there. So um, they have um, basically sort of made like a few sort of small bolt-on acquisitions. So I've been sort of buying some of these sort of small financial planners there, but basically just sort of, you know, bringing them under their their banner and um, under there, they've got their own funds. And yeah, so it's a smartly run operation there. It's got a lot of uh, sort of Australian and Indian clients as well in there, sort of. um, But yeah, look, so far it's, you know, it's well run. Just yeah, it gets a bit um, market orientated as well, so right. it's going to sort of swing a little bit with the market. Not not entirely, but um, yep. but yeah. But it's, look, so far it's been a great business. Um, it has been cheaper and it's been more expensive, so it's probably sitting somewhere in the middle at the moment. So yep. um, yeah, it's just probably you know kind of fair value, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just to recap the uh, the final five stocks: Jetix Power, a no from Gary and Howard. Same with Samfire Resources. Um, A2 Milk, Howard says, great business, well run, concerns with the valuation at the moment and the change in management. Um, uh, Gary likes it to the point where he bought some this morning, so uh, declaring that. Uh, Macmillan Shakespeare, uh, Gary's going to watch it because well run business. Um, Howard prefers Smart Group and uh, both like Fiducium. Uh, Gary Glover. Nice to see you from Novus Capital. Great to have you uh, as part of the team again on a regular basis. Um, If you'd like to suggest any stocks for us to cover on the call, you can send us an email at thecall at ausbiz.com.au or through Twitter uh, using the Twitter handle at ausbiztv. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.